pray. Lord, we turn to your word now and we pray that we would be able to say along with the psalmist that we delight in your law, that it is more sweet than honey to us. Lord, we know that our sinful hearts want to rebel against it, and yet you declare to us that it is good, and we have been able to taste and see that it is good. And so we ask now that you would give to us such a delight in it that as we leave here today, it would be our pleasure to serve Jesus, that it would be our delight to honor him through honoring our parents. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Our scripture passage is Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, but I would encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, that's on page um, 545 of your pew Bibles. We're going to look at verses 12 through 16 and then 22 through 26. First four of the Ten Commandments tell us how we are to love God. That's the first and greatest commandment, that we are to love the Lord our God. And so the first four instruct us in how we are to do that. And without those four commandments, nothing else really matters. The second part of the Ten Commandments, um, verses, or, uh, Commandments 5 through 10, the six that are remaining, are the ones that teach us how to love our neighbor as ourselves. The second greatest commandment and interestingly it begins with the family because if you don't know how to relate to people within your own family how will you relate well to people outside the family or to put it differently we learn how to relate to people in society by learning how to relate to people within our own family context and so this commandment is important to get right because if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, if we're going to fulfill the other commandments given to us, commandments 5 through 10, then we have to be able to learn how to relate to people. And the way in which we do that is by learning how to relate as a family. And it begins with the commandment, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. And from Proverbs 23, verse 12, apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Down in verse 22, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. We had our youth ski trip this weekend. It was a great time. I really enjoyed being with all the students and going skiing together. It was lots of fun and there were many reasons why we could say it was a great trip. Certainly wonderful weather. Uh, we had a fun time. The skiing was great. Uh, the food was good. We stayed in great accommodations, all those kinds of things. 
But there's really one thing that made it a great trip. And without this, there would not have been a good trip. And the great thing was that our students know how to respect authority. Without that, none of the other stuff would have mattered. We would have had people rebelling against us and going in different directions, not working together as a group to get where we needed to go, not having a sweet time of fellowship together and Bible study. None of that would have been possible if the students didn't know how to respect authority. And yet they do. And it made it the great trip that it was. You know, there's bad authority out there. We've seen in the news over the last few years the various totalitarian regimes that have been overthrown because people are rising up tired of dealing and tired of living under bad authority. But also, not only is there bad authority, there's poor submission even to good authority out there. Uh, Those of you in my generation will remember John, used to be John Cougar Mellencamp, now just John Mellencamp, who used to sing... I fight authority, authority always winning. Sort of the mantra of youth culture over the last 60 years in the United States is to fight against authority. It's sort of a rite of passage to fight against authority. To grow up learning to rebel. All society, all society works when two big things happen. One, authority is exercised rightly. Two, Individuals learn to submit to authority, to submit their needs to the greater good, to the greater good of the family, to the greater good of the church, to the greater good of society. No society, no organization can work unless authority is exercised rightly. And there's always going to be some level of authority in life. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us no matter what position of life you're in, you will always be under some authority. It's the way God's universe is set up. And it needs to be exercised well if society is going to run well. But not only that, but we as individuals need to learn to live under it. The child who learns to respect authority at home is the one who learns to respect authority outside of the home. At church, in school, on sports teams. There's no way that you can learn to respect authority out there unless you learn it in the home. And then you'll grow up to be the one who respects authority at work one day. And political authority that's over you. Not only that, but the child who learns to submit to authority is the one who grows up knowing how to wield authority rightly. If you've never learned to humble yourself rightly under authority, then when you get into a position of power and you have authority yourself, you won't know how to use it rightly. You'll abuse it. Because you've learned to make life about yourself. I live under my own terms. I will not submit to anyone else. And therefore, when I get authority, I'll learn to do the same thing. I'm using this authority for myself, for my own selfish gain. So God says here, honor your father and your mother. And you might say it's the basis upon which all society, the entire world is to work. Has far-reaching implications when the fifth commandment is upheld and lived out in generations. Because the reality is the converse is true as well. If you don't learn how to live under authority, then our society will fall apart. And that's exactly what's taking place. The command is simple. Honor your parents. The word honor means weighty, heavy. To give proper weight to someone's position. That's what 
God is saying here to respect their position, to esteem them, to reverence them, to take them seriously. You don't trivialize their authority. You don't disrespect it. You don't despise it. You don't treat them as if they are irrelevant, but rather you honor them. You treat them as if their position is weighty. And with that comes this great promise that's given to us in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That your days may be long. Now, some people take that to mean that you're just going to live a long life. But there's far more to it than that. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, when the Ten Commandments are repeated, God expands a little bit further and He says, Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. God was giving the land and the land was supposed to be a place that pictured heaven. It was a society where holiness reigned. And when people honored their parents, they learned how to live in society so that they could go out and live as responsible citizens. And then all of a sudden you have a society where personal responsibility is taking place. Where people know how to submit to authority. Where people know how to live in righteousness and holiness and relate well to each other. And he's saying in that kind of land, you will prosper. And so without this here, Without this commandment, our land falls apart, you might say. But with it, all of society benefits. When families no longer function according to God's design, it doesn't matter what land you live in. Society is going to fall apart. So what's the commandment teach us? First this, really two big main points. First is this. Children must honor their parents. Straightforward. Honor your father and your mother. Now, I want to make note of the fact very briefly that it doesn't say honor your father. It says honor your father and your mother. In other words, both parents equally. And one of the jobs of the father is to lovingly rebuke children who want to play parents against each other or who want to disrespect mom at home. Otherwise, what happens is children grow up thinking, I can pick and choose who I want to submit to. I can pick and choose what authority I want to live under. I can pick and choose who is deserving of my respect. God says, no, you need to honor your father and your mother. So what does that mean? Well, Proverbs 23 here in these verses that we've read gives us a lot of insight into what is involved in that. And the first thing for us is that it means that involves the mind. If you're going to honor your father and mother, it involves your mind. Verse 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life. Verse 23, buy truth and do not sell it by wisdom, instruction, and understanding. In other words, to keep this commandment, to honor our parents, means that it involves our mind and we must know the truth. We must listen to the truth. We must heed instruction and wisdom and understanding. Children are told to listen, to gain wisdom and understanding from their parents, to accept the fact that their parents are far more seasoned in this life and in the scriptures than they are. 
Now, your parents may not be as savvy as you are on pop culture today. They may not know the latest technology and even be able to know how to use your phone. They may not know the latest fashion. They may not know who the current singers are today. But they're far more versed in the way this world works and what is true and what is right and what is good. In other words, they know what matters. They know what will keep you safe. They know what will lead you to living well. And most of all, they know what will lead you to honoring God. This whole book of Proverbs is an example of that. It's wisdom from a father to a son. And even in this little passage here, we didn't read it, but verse 17 says, let not your heart envy sinners. He's giving instruction here to his son. Don't envy sinners and go with them. Verse 20 expands, be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty and slumber will clothe them with rags. In other words, their lives will come to ruin. And if you spend your life with them and you bind yourself to them, commit your ways to them, you will become like them. And your parents know this. They've experienced these things. They've seen it. Whether it's in their own lives or they've seen it in other people's lives. And so we are to listen to our parents. It involves our minds. Children and youth need to recognize that they see such a small slice of life. The here and now. And their parents have a much wider breadth of understanding and wisdom. And parents need to uh, realize that we sort of think for our children when they're very young, right? We think for them. We make decisions for them. We know which ways they ought to go and which ways they ought not to go. We know where they ought to be and at what time they ought to be there. We think for them. But as they grow, they hopefully begin to think for themselves along biblical lines. And as wisdom is imparted and understanding becomes the way of the child, then parents allow them more and more freedom to begin to discern right from wrong for themselves and to be able to put into practice biblical truth. Yes, they will mess up along the way, but parents are giving a little bit more freedom and a little bit more freedom as their children are learning how to discern the world rightly and live in it in ways that honor God. Young adults, they continue to honor their parents as they step out into life and realize there are decisions out here that I just do not know what to make of. There are things that are beyond me. My parents may have prepared me well, but, but I haven't been down this path before. And young adults turn to their parents for help and they honor them in that. They ask for instruction and wisdom. Friends, if you haven't honored your parents' wisdom up to that point, it will be very difficult to turn to them. Very difficult to ask them for advice, for what they know to be right and true. But it involves our mind. It also involves our will. Verse 24 says, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. The righteous person is the one who obeys, the one who submits to the law of God, the one who is willing to walk in God's ways. And what we realize here is this is a matter of both word and deed. That I say and do the things that are righteous and good and I submit my will to God ultimately, but also to my parents in terms of what should come out of my mouth and what kinds of things should I do, where I should go on the internet, where my feet should take me, who I should live with. All of those sorts of things. 
Matthew 21, Jesus told the parable of the two sons in which the father asked the sons to go out into the field and work. And one son said, sure, dad, I'll go do that. But he never went. The other one said, no way, I'm not going out there. But he went. Which one obeyed, Jesus says. It was the second. But the reality is what Jesus wants from us in relation to our parents is to obey in word and in deed. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I will do those things. And we go about doing them. Children must learn that getting their way is not the most important thing in life. We adults sometimes need to relearn that lesson over and over again, don't we? Sometimes getting my way seems like the most important thing. And the reality is the most important thing is God's way. And what really honors Christ is when we're willing to submit our will to our parents or the right authority over us in a way that honors God. And so it involves our mind, it involves our wills, it also involves the heart. Verse 26, my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Not just give me your obedience, but give me your heart. That's what the father really longs for, is the heart of the son, the heart of the child. When we're children, we naturally think that we know best. And because of that, we give our hearts to the things that we think will satisfy us the most. And honoring our parents means that we give our hearts to our parents more than we give it to the things out in the world that we think will satisfy us the most. You see it all the time where teenagers are afraid that their parents are going to take away the thing that they love the most. Take away the thing that they think will satisfy them. And so they close their heart off to their parents. They don't speak to them very much anymore. They go into their room. They isolate themselves. They may still speak respectfully in some sense. But their heart is closed to their parents. Says, my son, give me your heart. One of the worst forms of dishonor that we could give to God is to honor Him with our lips and not with our hearts. It's the very thing that Isaiah says. Because this people draw near me to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. That's not the thing that the, the loving parent wants. The loving parent wants the heart of the child, wants to be intimate with them, wants to know them, wants to be close to them, wants them to allow the parent to guide and direct and lead. Honoring our parents goes to the attitudes of our hearts and it's really reflected so much in the gestures that a child gives more than anything else right the rolling of the eyes the deep sighs hiding out in the room being passive aggressive fine i'll obey you if that's what you want but none of these are things that display a giving of the heart to mom and to dad most importantly you might say i'm thinking more of teenager youth here it means opening your heart and your life to your parents so that they actually can see what's there you open your heart to your parents by letting them into your life letting them into the things that you're thinking about the things that you're struggling with that you cannot fully comprehend and understand you let them into these things and you ask for their advice you let them into your future plans and that what you might be thinking of and directions that might you you might want to go what you're supposed to do 
to honor your parents. Give them your heart. But the last thing is this. It involves the whole of life. Involves the whole of life. Verse 22 says this. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. This is envisioning the adult whose parents are now aged. And even at this point, we're still called to honor our parents. You might say from birth to death, we are called to honor our parents. And as young children, we honor them primarily by obeying them. But when we get older and we're grown up, we're no longer actually required to obey obey our parents at that point. We're still called to honor them. So how do we do that? Well, he says in verse 15, my son, if your heart is wise, my heart will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. In other words, son, when you are living well for Jesus, when you are seeking to honor him, when you're making great choices in life, when you've put Christ above everything else and you exalt him in all that you do and say and think. When you're living well as a parent yourself. Then my heart will be glad. That's how we honor our parents, even into the age of, say, 100 years old. Our parents may have departed and they're gone, but we're still able to honor them. Why? Because we're able to live well for Jesus. And when we live well for Jesus, it reflects well on our parents and they are honored. You might say the ultimate goal of being a wonderful child is ultimately to grow up to be a mature Christian adult who's able to honor Christ in everything that we do. Now, this is not so nice and neat as it sounds in reality, is it? Sounds easy. You do these things and everything goes well. Some people might say, well, I didn't have a father like the father of Proverbs. My parents don't live that way. They're not so honorable themselves. If you knew my parents, you wouldn't want to obey them either. There are certainly bad families in the world, lots of bad families in the world and there are parents that are miserable to live under but the reality is that unless we are willing to follow God's word and honor our parents respect them obey them then we'll never understand what it means to honor our savior we are called to honor them regardless we'll come back to that in just a moment but think about Jesus consider him Jesus created his own parents. None of us could ever say that, right? But Jesus created his own parents. You remember the account when Jesus is in Jerusalem with his parents. And somehow he gets lost in the, the uh, gathering that is traveling back to Nazareth. And they realize one point, we don't have Jesus. And they go back and they look for Jesus. And there he is in the temple. And he's surprised that they don't know where he is. And yet, what does the text tell us in verse 51? That he left and went with them to Nazareth and was submissive to them. This is the perfect, holy God of the universe who is submitting himself to sinful parents. That's the very thing that we are called to do as well. If Jesus can humble himself from the glory and the heights of heaven, to be submissive to people like you and me. And he calls us to do the same thing. One writer 
Janie Ortland put it this way. This commandment doesn't teach us how to have great families. It teaches us how to be a great family member. In other words, just because you obey the commandment doesn't mean everything's going to work out smoothly in your family. It doesn't even mean that your relationship with your parents is going to be perfect or exactly what you want. It may mean that it actually causes more trouble initially. But the very thing that God wants for us is for us to learn how to submit to Him by first learning to submit to our parents. To learn to live under authority by learning to live under our parents' authority so that we become those people who grow up who make the hearts of our parents glad. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Now we're out of time. And I haven't even gotten to the second half of the sermon. So I'm going to stop. And we'll come back to that next week. But it gets even better. Let's pray. Lord in heaven, we thank you that you have ordered our lives in such a way that you teach us how to live rightly in this world by how to live in our families. We confess to you that we have made a mess of it in many ways. But we ask that you would help us Give grace to each one of us to honor our parents even this day by living well for you. In Jesus' name, amen.